Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Everybody here, we love you, God bless you. Let's get in the word. We've been talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit until I was 14 years old. I grew up in a traditional church. And I got saved when I was just eight years old, but when I was 14 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Andrew Womack's Bible study in my aunt's apartment in Lamar, Colorado, and it changed my life. And the moment that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I knew that this is what I was going to spend my life doing. And I actually believe that if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the ministry on the inside of you is full grown. It actually, it might take a lifetime to walk that out, but I believe on the inside, your ministry is full grown. And I believe that every born again believer actually is called to ministry in one form or another. You may not be called to a public preaching and teaching ministry. You may not have one of the fivefold Uh, ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, but every person is called to minister. The Bible actually says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, as every man has received the gift, so let him minister. Uh, He says the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace is a many-sided thing. Praise God. And Jesus is the one actually who gives the ministry gifts to the church. And the Bible talks about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4 as he was raised from the dead. It says he took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. We all have been given gifts by the Lord Jesus Christ, but it takes the Holy Spirit to empower them. Jesus could not fulfill his ministry without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus lived on earth for 30 years And after 30 years, he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And when he was baptized, the Spirit of God came and sat on him like a dove. After that, he went into the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. He beat the devil in every temptation. And then Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says he returned in the power of the Spirit. He goes on, then he went to his hometown, Nazareth, on the Sabbath day, and as his custom was. We need to get back to coming to church on the first day of the week like they did in the New Testament after Jesus. And the reason that we celebrate on the first day of the week instead of the last day of the week is because Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. Praise God. And then the Holy Spirit was sent 50 days later on Sunday. Praise God. And if you're not in the habit of going to church, I think you ought to get in the habit of it. Praise God. I just think it's good for you. Amen. And I realize we got a lot of people, we got numbers of people watch from around the world and around the country. And if you're not in an area where there's a good church, I encourage you. Amen. Tell your friends, get together. We have people that a number of families will meet in a house. So we'll have several. In the first service, we actually have more locations connected many times than we do people in the service. And a lot of times these locations will have several families meeting together. Praise God. So the word of God is going forward. We've got people that watch us regularly in in England, in Italy, in Asia, all around the world. So the word of God is going forward. But I encourage you to have fellowship. 
with believers. We need one another in the body of Christ. And the Bible actually says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Amen? So I thank God for technology. I thank God that we can get the word out in a lot of ways, but praise God, I also believe that all of us need relationships. Amen? So we've been talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus was baptized by John, he went into the wilderness, was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, then returned in the power of the Spirit. And when when the Sabbath day was, it says he went to the synagogue as his custom was, and they gave him the scroll of Isaiah to read. And when they gave it to him, he opened it and he found the place. It's like he'd been reading in there. I believe Jesus read the scriptures and found out who God said he was. Amen? And he, he began to read from what we know as Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to liberate those who are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stopped right in the middle of what we know as verse 2, and then he said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You know what? You're not going to make anybody mad talking about what God is going to do with your great-grandchildren, about the move of God that's just down the road, or, you know, your your grandchildren or somebody, and you're not going to make anybody mad. I'm talking about the move of God that your great-grandparents had. But when you start saying today, you're going to make some people mad. And I'm here to tell you today, now is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. I'm here to tell you that God heals people today just like he did in the book of Acts. I'm, I'm here to tell you that people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues just like they do in the book of Acts. In fact, we were at Aaron and Heather's and they showed us uh, this person who plays for the Miami Dolphins and he was telling, he said, a lot of times people see me over on the sidelines and they think that I'm talking to myself, but he said, I'm speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And I was baptized in the, I saved when I was eight, baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14 and it totally transformed my life. But Jesus... For 30 years, didn't one work one miracle, didn't heal one person, didn't walk on the water, didn't, you know, raise the dead, didn't, you know, do any. And then after uh, the, the Spirit of God came on him when he returned in the power of the Spirit, I mean, miracles and healings broke forth everywhere. Amen? I believe if we're operating in the Spirit, we ought to have miracles. We ought to have healings. They ought to be happening on a regular basis. And I'm here to tell you that we have miracles, we have healings, we have signs, we have wonders. And they, they just, praise God, they've been happening. They happened before. I, you know, I've actually been preaching the word for like 43 years. And then I've been full-time pastor for 35 years. But you know what? I had miracles when I was just a kid, 16, 17, 18 years old. It, they would amaze me. I'd think, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. God did that. Amen. Sometimes now we have miracles and it amazes me. And I'm like, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. God did that. See, Jesus is alive. When Peter prayed, you know, they they prayed in Acts chapter 4 when they beat them and threatened them and commanded them not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they went to their own company and they said, God, grant signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus, your son, may be glorified and people may know that he lives. And that's still happening today. Amen. Amen. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, 
When the Holy Spirit was poured out, these people had these questions. What does this mean? And Peter got up and preached and said, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Praise God. This is for nations and generations. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, they said, as Peter preached, what must we do? And he said, repent. That means get saved. Repent and believe on Jesus and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost. There's three baptisms of believers. When you're born again, when you repent and believe on Jesus, you are baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Then every believer should be water baptized and follow, you know what? It's an outward sign of an inward change. And the first one is talking about salvation. The second one is talking about when you're, when you're water baptized, that's talking about identification. Romans chapter 8, or Romans chapter 6 talks about that. When you're baptized, you're actually buried like Jesus went under the water and you're raised up. And you're, you say, I'm dead to sin and I'm living for God. Amen? And then you should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Bapt every believer should be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's just because religion has messed with you. In Acts chapter 2, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 19, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues and went ahead and prophesied. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like a doorway into the other gifts of the Spirit. And we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church today. Praise God. You know what? If you don't have the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a believer, it's like we live in a world that's affected by sin and Satan. And it's like charging hell with a water pistol. And you know what? You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I thank God that I got filled with the Holy Ghost. It changed my life. And if you're saved but haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, I encourage you to keep staying filled with the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And as it talks about it, it's talking about being continually filled. And you don't need to tarry today to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The only time they tarried was in Acts chapter 2, and that's because they were waiting for these... Uh, people to come from all these other nations under heaven for the Feast of, Feast of Pentecost. God was waiting, but he poured out his Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, ten, you know, 50 days after the resurrection. So Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday, praise God, and the Holy Spirit was sent 50 days later on Sunday, and the church was born. Amen? And so you ought to just, you know, but in Acts chapter 8, they didn't wait. They didn't tarry. In Acts chapter 10, they didn't tarry. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching at, the, at Cornelius, who was a Gentile's house. And did you know what? The Jews didn't know the Gentiles were accepted. So as Peter preached Jesus, they believed on Jesus, and they, they received the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. And the Jews, Jewish leadership said, how can we forbid water to these who've been filled with the Holy Ghost, just like us? Amen. Praise God. That's how I, you know what? I got born again, then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I started reading my Bible. 
The church that I got saved in did not believe in water baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I got, I got saved when I was eight. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14. And when I started reading my Bible, I saw in the Bible when they got saved, they got water baptized. So I went to my pastor. We went to this dead church. We said the Holy Ghost, the well, the Holy Ghost froze up in that church. We said it was so cold in there that you could ice skate down the aisle. Some people think it's cold in here. You ain't seen nothing. Amen? It was cold and dead. It was terrible. In fact, when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is a, a church that my grandparents helped start probably 50 years earlier. And there was a bunch of our family in that church. And actually, my cousin Doug came and instructed me a little better. He was a little bit older than me. And he remembers it. But the pastor got up one day and said, if you believe in this speaking in tongues, you stay over here. And if you don't, you get up and come over with me. And it's like he's separate. And did you know that church had always run in Lamar, Colorado, 75 to 100 people. It went straight down to 10 to 20 people. And it stayed that way for 10 years. And then they got this pastor, and he was one of these undercover people baptizing the Holy Spirit. By then, I was pastoring in Kit Carson, and he got me to come down there and preach. And guess what happened when I went down there and preached? Just like other places, people got saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just like that, that's what happens. Amen. The same spirit worked in that church, and, and you know what? That church went right back up to 75 to 100 people. One of the stupidest things you can do is excommunicate the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that there are a bunch of churches that started as a result of the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement was in the 1960s and 70s, and in these traditional churches, many, many people got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but then God raised up out of those people who got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry, and churches like this one started. But there are a lot of churches that, that started in the power of the Spirit, and they have went back, and they do not teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They do not teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't teach on healing. They don't teach on faith. Did you know what we have been paying $900 a year for a curriculum that's supposed to be a spirit-filled curriculum? Nancy Sutton's here. Nancy, stand up. I saw you somewhere. But Nancy helped us write this curriculum. She wrote for this, and she's been at our church for at least 12 years. But we started, we knew this was a great need. We haven't been able to get a good spirit-filled curriculum. And she wrote for this supposed-to-be spirit-filled organization, and they would not allow her to write about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about what we believe about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about what we believe about faith, about healing. And so we are writing currently our own curriculum, and this thing, we've made it available free. So what I've been paying $900 a year for, I'm making available free. This week, we had eight nations of people that said they're taken outside of the United States. We have a group in South Asia, East Asia that wants to translate it in four different languages and take it to Southeast Asia. We have four different groups that want to translate it in Spanish. And so we've went from a handful of churches to a handful of nations just like that. And this thing is exploding. And this year coming up, we're going to write, we've just written the first year. It takes a long time. We're writing the second year. The first year is who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? And who are you? The second year is about grace, about faith, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. Amen. And then once we get done with that, we're writing a junior high curriculum. And we had pastors just coming to us. We had a table up at Andrew Womack's minister's conference. 
And one of the first ones came was a woman from the Northeast. And how many of you know it is cold and dead in the North? We need spirit-filled churches in the Northeast United States. You guys came from one? And so um, this woman came and she said, this is worth the entire price that I paid and all my expenses to come to the conference just to be able to get my hands on this children's curriculum. I had pastors from all over thanking me. Homeschool groups can use this. You can use this in your family. You can go to our website and get the first year free. I've been paying $900 a year and you can get it free. Just go to careschristiancenter.com, go to the store, go to the curriculum and it's right there and you can download it and use it. And your kids are learning it. We just, I thought we started in September. We actually started just October, just last Sunday. We started with it. But you can download the lessons your kids learn and go over it with them all week and get, it, get the word in them. Praise God. And you know the first year, what we taught in the first year, who is God, who is Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, and who are you? In, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach uh, all nations make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That means to immerse them into who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. If you really want to be technical in the book of Acts, they baptized people in the name of Jesus. They did not deny the Holy Spirit. They did not deny the Father, but they baptized people in the name of Jesus. But what that means in Acts 28, it's to immerse them into. Our first year's teaching is who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? And the fourth one is who are you? And that's what he says. All power is given to me. You go therefore and teach them to observe my commandments. And lo, I'm with you always. You go operate in the authority that I've given you. Praise God. That's what, you know what? That's what we taught our kids. Our first lesson is God is the creator. Our Second lesson is God is good. People don't know these basic truths. They teach people that God is a sovereign God and maybe He will and maybe He won't and you never know. That is garbage. That is a lie. God is a sovereign God, but He sovereignly acts according to His Word. God is who He said He is and He'll do what He said He'd do. Amen. And we don't need, we need to quit making excuses. And I'm here to tell you, I am never... I am never going to compromise the Word of God about the Holy Spirit, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about divine healing. We have entire Pentecostal denominations who had a bold stand on divine healing who said divine healing is provided for in the atonement and was paid for when Jesus died and rose again, and they won't even preach on it. And if you don't preach on it, people aren't going to have faith to receive it. I'm telling you, now they've written books in these same denominations. I was in it for a while. And they said, this is where we stand. Where we stand is we're not going to be bold about healing, and we're not going to be bold about the promises of God. Godless wonders. That is exactly what is wrong with the church. we become washed out, washed up, dead, dried up. And it's time that we boldly preach the Word of God. And we boldly preach about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time that we boldly declare Jesus is Lord. And the Holy Spirit is here. And He's real. It's time that we quit making apologies. Hallelujah. Forgive me. The Spirit was poured out. And not only that, they moved in the power of God. Now, we talked about how in Acts 
Acts 2, that was the initial outpouring, but in Acts 8, they, uh, Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the gospel and they received Jesus and they were baptized and they heard about in Jerusalem. So they sent Peter and John over there and they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Samaria received the word. And then in Acts 10, how the Gentiles received the word supernaturally. In Acts chapter 19, how the elders at Ephesus received the word of God, the elders of John, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus and Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and prophesied. You know this, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like a doorway into the rest of the spiritual gifts. And most of these churches that do not teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit operate very little. I'll not say they don't operate at all because they do operate some, but most of them operate very little as far as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that you go to a church that preaches the Word and is not ashamed of the Holy Spirit and you never know when you're going to need to be healed. Praise God. You never know when you're going to need a miracle. But the supernatural, the Spirit of God begin to move. And did you know what? We need the super on our natural if we're going to get done what God wants us to done, do. And as we look at this, one of the things they had was supernatural revelation. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. This is in verse 27. It says, In those days there came prophets from Jerusalem and Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there would be a great famine throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. These prophets prophesied and it came to pass. We got a lot of prophets prophesying a lot of things that don't come to pass. Lying in the name of the Lord. Sometimes I tell you this is what I think. That's because I don't know. Lester Sumrall used to say some things. He'd say, I predict. But man, when the Spirit of God came on him and he prophesied, he didn't make, he didn't, he didn't make any apologies for it. Praise God. And you'd watch and you'd see it happen. And it says, it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea, which they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. God showed them what was going to happen, and the church got prepared in the natural. Praise God, they took care of it. Now, you can see also, so there weren't only apostles, there were prophets. Now, let's look in Acts chapter 21. I want to show you something, and this is about Agabus again, but I want to start before that in verse 8. Acts chapter 21, verse 8 says this, The next day those that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. So not only did they have apostles, but they had prophets and they had evangelists. Philip was one of the six men or seven men that was chosen full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom to take care of natural business as a deacon, as a servant in the church. But Philip was with them and the same, the man, Philip the evangelist, the same had four daughters who were virgins, and they did prophesy. And we tarried there for many days, and there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this belt and shall deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things... Both we and those of that place besought him not to go up at Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What mean you to weep and break my heart? For I am ready to be not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease, saying, The will of the Lord be done. 
You know, they, they warned Paul everywhere. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, None of these things move me, neither count I my, my life dear to myself, that I might finish my course with joy and, and do what God called me to do to preach the gospel of the grace of God. Amen? And so he saw, he heard from many people that this was going to happen, but he refused to let him operate in fear. Some of these prophets that prophesy a lot of things today, so-called prophets, they, they do nothing but cause people to operate in fear. We have a couple that comes here. Their names are Roger and Lorraine Traver. Roger used to teach economics in Kansas University before he retired. They travel around the world and teach on marriage. And Roger says since 1971, they've been writing these prophetic books that say everything's going to fall apart and go to hell in a handbasket. And he said you could take the cover off one and put the next cover on it. It's been going for 50 years, and it never happens. And the only people that prosper are them. And I am tired of the church operating in fear and getting ripped off and not being able to take advantage of different things out there. I tell you what, I, I am very aggressive financially. I am very aggressive investing in certain things. And do you know what? I have not let fear rule my life. And one reason that I am so against this, in, after, shortly after I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1978, 1981. My mother was a school teacher, and she went to these meetings, and they, they were talking about investing your money in the stock market, and, and these prophets were saying then, don't do this because it's all going to crash. It's all going to go to hell in a handbasket, and you need to have some wisdom. But did you know what? If you invested about $5,000 in 1980 in the stock market and left it there and anything good, it'd be worth about a half half a million now and the church puts their money out and can't even keep up with inflation because we let fear drive us and I bought that lie that's one reason I am so against it so I am not buying the lie and I wish Christians would quit buying these lies and propagating these untruths I'm telling you, there is going to be a great crash. It's probably going to happen. And Revelation 18 talks about it after Jesus comes back for his church. America has sown about 90% of the seed that's got the gospel to the world. And I still believe that God is going to help America. So I'm not buying the lies and I'm calling them out because it's a bunch of garbage. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'll stop right there. Amen. But you know what? The Spirit of God is being poured out in the last days, and we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill His ministry, and we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill our ministry. And you notice, apostles, prophets, evangelists, the Bible also says this. It says in Ephesians 4 that Jesus, when He was raised from the dead, gave gifts to men, and He's given gifts to every person in the body. But it says in verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints. He gave these uh, ministry gifts to mature the saints, to complete the saints, to equip the saints so the saints can go do the work of the ministry. 
And Jesus is the one who gives like the five-fold ministry gifts, but we need the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can fulfill our ministries. I would listen, I didn't even know that I was called to be in the five-fold ministry till I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I needed, I knew it immediately. Now, some of the things that they move forward, I just barely got through my introduction. We need number one, divine revelation. But we need number two, divine protection. If we move on over to Acts chapter 12, uh, Herod and this whole family of Herods, they were wicked. They were terrible people. And the king, he stretched out his hand to vex certain of the church. It says he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Verse 3 says, because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. These were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered uh, him to four quaternion. Man, they were worried about Peter, soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth for the people. But Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church to God for him. Peter was, now this is the operation of the gift of faith. And the difference in the operation of the gift of faith and, and, and other operations are this. For, for instance, the working of miracles is when God works through a person or instrument to perform a supernatural act in an instant. But the gift of faith is when God just gives you this faith on the inside to believe in. And there are actually four levels of faith. There's natural faith, like a farmer sowing his seed to reap a harvest. Whether he's a believer or unbeliever, he believes that that's going to grow a harvest. Then there's saving faith. When you get born again, God gives you the faith to be saved when you hear the gospel preached. And then there's the fruit of faith. And every born again believer has the exact same faith as Jesus in their spirit in the inward man. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You have all of the dying fruit of the spirit in you in Christ. See, according to Romans 8, 9 through verse 11, every born-again believer has the Spirit of Christ in them. And when you study that word faith in Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, it is the Greek word faith. It's the Greek word pistis. It's faith. You have the exact same faith as Jesus. And as a believer, you do not have a faith problem. But fruit are things you grow in the operation of faith. You grow in the operation of patience. You grow in the operation of, of these character traits of God that are of love, for instance, that's already in you in Christ. But when God gives you the gift of faith, when the gift of faith operates, it can operate far beyond your natural faith. You know, when I was about 17 years old, I was holding an, uh, an evangelistic meeting in Los Animas, Colorado, and I preached for about five or six nights. And when I preached, there was a man that came on there that, was, that had a crutch. He could barely walk. And I prayed for him, and God healed him. And that, he, he was healed. Man, I, and I was amazed. And once in a while, you know, I pray for people. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I know that that's not me. I know that that's the Holy Spirit. And I've had it happen since then. Amen. But see, God does things. And the gift of faith is when God gives people just like a special gift of faith beyond where your natural faith is. Now, Peter was in the prison. The, the church was praying for him. He was sleeping. And the Bible says here in Acts 12, the angel of the Lord came and hit him on the side and said, Get up, Peter. Put on your clothes and put on your shoes. 
and walked him out. And he went and the chains fell off of him. And he walked by one guard and he walked by another guard. And then they came to the gate that went out to the city and the gate opened. And, and then all of a sudden, Peter realized, I'm not having a vision. This is God. You know what? Peter wasn't praying. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Some of you, you, sometimes I just know by the Spirit what's going to happen, and I don't have to have a holy fit worrying and fretting. And Some prayer meetings are not filled with faith. Some prayer meetings are more focused on the problem than the answer. And you need to, if you come to this church, you ought to learn what we teach and start believing it. And Jesus, when he was in a tight situation, didn't have to call 15,000 people to pray. Most of the time, he put them all out and he took two or three people that knew how to believe God with him. And I'm telling you, when I'm in a tight situation, I don't go tell a whole bunch of people. I tell one or two or three, pray for me, please. We got some issues here. And don't believe that we don't have issues. Most of you just don't think I have issues because I never tell you till it's a testimony. And you think, Pastor Lawson never has anything go wrong. You couldn't be farther from the truth. Man, I'm telling you, we got problems every week. We got problems every day, but I don't tell hardly anybody about any of them. You know, I tell Jesus, and once in a while, I call two or three good friends, and I say, listen, we need some agreement. We need to stand. So Peter gets, gets out, and he realized, hey, this wasn't a trance. This wasn't a vision. I'm, a, I'm free. Praise God. So he goes over to the house where they're praying for him, knocks on the door. There's a servant girl named Rhoda. She comes and says, hey, Peter's at the door. They, they're like, no, no, Peter's in prison. They're praying for something with almost no faith. <laughs> And he keeps knocking, and they go open the door and say, oh, yeah, sure enough, it's Peter. We got what we prayed for. Hallelujah. Let's pray for something else. <laughs> I'm not against having prayer meetings, but I am against having doubt and unbelief prayer meetings. And my son Aaron, he told somebody here recently in the church when they were in counseling, he said, for 30 days in your prayer life, all you need to do is thank God and pray in tongues. And I am telling you, that is good preaching, Aaron. Because some people are so fixated on the problem, when they go to prayer, all they do is rehearse the problem. Your tongue has power. Your thoughts have power. You take authority over them if they're ungodly. Your words have power. You take authority right now and quit rehearsing what the devil is putting through your brain. And start speaking the Word of God and believe in God. Amen. I tell a lot of people when they come for counseling, Go pray in tongues for a half hour a day this week and then come back and talk to me. Because the Holy Ghost is the counselor and a lot of them come back in three days and have their answer. See, the problem is not that we don't have the Holy Ghost. The problem is we don't use what we've been given. Amen. So there was divine protection later in that chapter after Peter gets delivered. Herod, and these, these people were wicked. Herod was a wicked person. He killed James. He was going to kill Peter. He killed the people that were keeping Peter. So he's given a speech and they say it's the voice of a God and not a man and a, he's smitten by God and eaten up with worms. Ooh, my goodness. I don't know how that fits in with grace, but I know it's there. And I'm telling you, I, I'd like to see some of that come. I'd like to see some of these liberal politicians. 
Praise God. Sometimes it's just terrible what the devil tries to do. But you know what? We need to move forward in faith. We need to move forward in the things of God. Praise God. So there's divine protection. Hallelujah. Divine revelation. Hallelujah. Divine protection. Divine power. Acts chapter 14. Let's go to Acts chapter 14. Praise God. Acts chapter 14. Peter, or, uh, Paul's been preaching. And people ran him out of town in Acts 13. He went to another place and it says... In verse 3, long time they abode speaking boldly in the Lord who gave testimony to the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And it goes on down. They were, they were talking about the disciples going to stone them. The, the unbelievers were stirring up people who didn't believe to come against them. But it says when they were aware of it, they got out of there, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and they went to Lystra and Derby, and there they preached the gospel. They're preaching the grace of God. Verse 8 says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, weak in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, and Paul steadfastly beholding him, perceived that he had faith to be healed, and said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. This was probably a combination, and we know it was the working of miracles. Right? Because he had never walked. That was a miracle. But it was also probably a combination of the working of miracles and the gift of faith. Herb Carter sitting on the front row up here. Herb Carter was raised from the dead. What? Last year? First of May. First of May. Out here in the entryway. Praise God. And you know that there are people that have written on this. Smith Wigglesworth raised a number of people from the dead. But he said when people were raised from the dead that um, Herb's heart wasn't beating anyway, and he came back and started beating. So I don't know what you call that. I call that raised from the dead. Barbara raised her little sister from the dead. This happened over 20 years ago. But, but did you know what? Miracles happen. Hallelujah. Jesus is the same, but they say when that happens, it's an operation of the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Praise God. I asked Judy to come up here. Uh, Judy Padgett. Judy was laying in the hospital... She was supposed to die earlier this year. Come on up here, Judy. I asked her to come up and testify just during worship. But Judy, uh, come tell them about it. They got a, Barbara, bring that mic up here. Hallelujah. Just come up here. You, you, you want to stay down here? Yes. That's great. Okay. All right, I'll hold the mic for you. Just, just tell them about what they said and what happened, how God healed you. Okay. Um, I was in the hospital, um, and on March 2nd, this year, I was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I am not going to do this. They wanted me to go through chemo and everything. And I said, no, this is God. This has got to be God, not me. And, um, and you had cancer clear throughout your insides, right? Yes. And they said, they said they could operate and they could do all that, but they couldn't really do nothing because it was so far advanced. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, we didn't do anything. I'm under palliative care at this point. I am healed. I have never had any pain. I, I, I mean, I never would have thought that I would have gone through anything like this. But God is so good and so Amen. powerful. Amen. 
and I love him so much, and I've Amen. had a walk of faith Amen. in this. And they didn't give you very long to live, did they? They didn't think you lived. They gave me three weeks. Three weeks to live. And I'm March the 1st. Seven or eight months <laughs> right now. She's healed from the... T her daughter came in telling me she's healed. Her son was here the other day telling me she's healed. Judy's healed. Jesus is Lord. The Word works. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got lots of miracles. Amen. Thank you, Judy, for coming and telling the people. God is so good. Kevin Moore is back there. Kevin, stand up. Kevin, a few years ago, was diagnosed with tumors on his kidneys. We knew nothing about it, but in the night, Saturday night before church, I had a vision of two envelopes, and they said, kidneys, 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 kidneys. And I called that out, and I had several people come forward, amen. But Kevin came up, and they, he went back to the doctor shortly and got tested, and they told you within a week you were completely healed, right? All right, praise God. You know, Jesus is the same. I just wanted to tell you that Jesus is the same. I wanted to tell you the same Jesus is Lord. The same Holy Spirit is real. And just like they had miracles in the book of Acts, we have miracles today. I've had miracles in my life, in my ministry for over 40 years. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what? They dragged Paul out of town there because they got jealous about what's happened and they stoned him and left for dead. And, and the disciples gathered around him and prayed and God raised him from the dead. See, they operated in supernatural, supernatural revelation, supernatural protection, supernatural power, supernatural direction. Let's go over to Acts chapter 16 and read in Acts chapter 16. It says in verse 6, Now when they'd gone throughout Figury and the reason of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know God sometimes says no? This wasn't just a check in. This was like, no. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me no. And if the Holy Spirit says no, if Jesus says no, he means no. And I know what no means. When I was in Kit Carson, I had one of my mentor's friends buying six sections. That's six square miles of property. He wanted to sell me a section right in the middle of it. He wanted to sell it for his price. And you know what? The Holy Spirit said no. Jesus said, I wanted to do it. I knew it would make money. But God said no. And when God says no, he means no. Do you know if I had about that, I might not be here pastoring this church. You better do what God tells you to do. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. I don't know why. Preaching the word's a good thing, but God said no. If God says no, we got too many people just doing their own thing and trying to get God to bless it. And they were come to Mysia, and they talked about going to Bithynia, but the Spirit, this was just a check in the Spirit. Sometimes you just got something on the inside that says, no, you just get a check in the Spirit. Man, you get a check in the Spirit. Don't do it. And they passed by Mysia and came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed for him, saying, Come over to Macedonia. So now he's getting divine direction. You'd think, man, a direction like this, he's going to have a great revival. After he saw the vision, immediately they endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering the Lord had called them to preach the gospel there. What happens? They get over there and they don't get anybody saved but one woman in their house. And, and then they got this, these people, they had this demon-possessed girl following them around saying, these men are of God. Paul can't stand it. After a while, just, he cast the devil out of her. 
And then, did you know what? Her masters got mad because they, they couldn't get money because she didn't have that demonic spirit to operate in. And so they, they had Paul, and they beat Paul and Silas and threw them in jail, but at midnight they prayed in verse 25 and sang praises to God. And God, you know what? The chains fell off of them. The gates opened. God said, an earthquake, and they walked out. The jailer, well, actually, they were still there. The jailer came to check on them and said, hey, you guys can go. He said, no, Paul said, they made this mess. They cleaned it up. Because do you know what? If, if, if that jailer would have let him go, the, the government probably would have killed him and his family. So him and his family got saved. Man, the church continued to go forward in the power. In Acts chapter 19, again, we see not only do they have divine revelation, divine protection, divine power, we see in Acts chapter 19 that they have divine expansion. And Paul goes over there, gets these elders at Ephesus filled with the Holy Ghost, continues to preach, and it said in verse 10, he continued by the space of two years so that all they who dwell in Asia, they were forbidden earlier to go there, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. But now they're preaching at Ephesus for two years and people are coming through there and the word goes throughout all Asia. God knows how to get the gospel where he wants it to go. Verse 11 says, and God wrought special Unique miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the disease departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Praise God. So they'd take, you know, cloth can have the anointing in it. They'd take these cloths from Paul's body and put them on sick people and they'd get healed. And they'd put them on demon-possessed people and God would deliver them. Then there, 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 after that, there were these vagabond Jews and they went to cast out devils and they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And you know what the devil said? They said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And the devils leapt on them and overcame them and they, and they left naked and wounded. Man, if you don't know the power of God, we don't play with the devil. You take authority over him and cast him out. And I never have long conversations with demons. I cast them out in the name of Jesus. You don't have to have a, that's stupid. The devil's a liar anyway. And after her master, she, she operated in these evil spirits. I, I would never go to a fortune teller. I would never let anybody read my palm. I never play with any kind of witchcraft or that any way. I, listen, Pastor Lawson, you do what you want to do, but I do not celebrate Halloween in any way, shape, or form. If you go study the roots of it, it is demonic. Praise God, you can think I'm a fanatic, and you're exactly right. I am a faith fanatic. I am a Jesus fanatic. I love you, and God bless you. Amen? But I'm not, I, listen, I don't go there. So after they did this, notice what happened. It says in verse 18 to verse 20, many believed and came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them who used curious oughts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and founded it 50,000 pieces of silver. That, today's terms, a piece of silver was a day's wage. That's like five or ten million dollars. Do you know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my dad had a pile for, full of pornography that big in his closet in a box. And you know what I did? 
I got it out of my dad's closet and I carried it out to the 55-gallon fire barrel that we had and I poured gas on it and I burnt it. My dad did not ask me what happened to it, but my mother said, what happened to your dad's books? I said, I burnt them. Do you know, I read some of that crap, that's what it is, forgive the bad language, before I got born, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it badly affected my mind. But listen, from that day to this, I have never had a problem with pornography. We also have a table out here for Take Back D20, and it's to get a bunch of, rid of a bunch of this LGBTQ stuff in our schools, and they've got it in grade school, middle school, and high school. Our governor has legislations trying to push this garbage off on our kids. He's one of the worst in the nation. Listen, we've got California, New York, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado, they're all woke. We ought to just call them out for who they are. And I thank God we've got some other churches, even some of these big, what were seeker-sensitive churches, are beginning to stand up and tell the truth. My son just showed a video to me of a pastor of Flatirons Church. It's a big evangelical church up between Denver and Boulder, Broomfield. And that pastor is flat calling out our governor, saying it like it is, God bless him. And it's about time that this is the, it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to say something and quit letting the devil run ripshod and quit worrying about somebody leaving your pew because you tell the God honest truth. It's time for us to tell truth. It's time for us to stand up. And it's time for us to let the Holy Ghost move and not be ashamed of it. Now look at what verse 20 says. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe the word of God is going to grow and prevail. And we're going to see many, many people come to Christ. Get saved, get healed, get delivered, and get set free. And we're, we're on the start of a new day, I believe, in this nation. God bless you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.